a competition. This is not America's next top best friend. I'm gonna be true to me. Y'all waited a long time for this one. <laughs> Welcome to the America's Next Stop Best Friend Podcast. I am Amanda Mitchell, and I'm here today with my absolute favorite person, Hillary Garlic Sauce Sussman. An honor. I know. <laughs> love Garlic Sauce. Big fan. Uh, it is Thursday. We came, We waited patiently mm-hmm. with, with anticipation for this mm-hmm. to be here. Because guys, today, joining us on the America's Next Top Best Friend podcast is Mr. J himself. J Manuel is here, guys. <laughs> Thank you guys wow. for having me. This oh, is so fun. This is so Thank exciting. Thank you so much for joining us. This we is- have been, you've been one of our dream guests for the three years we've been doing this podcast. So well, we're so excited. It's a pleasure to be here. It's, this it just feels like it was kismet. Everything fell into place the way that it needed to. I, I'm, I've never been happier. I can't. So I should actually open this up with, so, hey, girls. So today. <laughs> it feel, I like faint. I, fall I know. I was like, oh, goodness. <laughs> it's it's amazing. It's This is uh, fantastic. We recapped all 24 cycles of this show we love this show. We have feelings about this show. Mm-hmm. We, we, we live and breathe the show. We're now in another country for this show, recapping Australia's Next Top Model. Yes. We're entirely different. We're committed. So yes. Uber fans for sure. Yeah. True. Yes. We watched so it I'm in sure high school. I'm sure you've got the questions though. <laughs> so we many. Do. You've do. got good questions. So many. <laughs> like like you, you might have done so many of these interviews so far because of the book tour but like you're gonna get hit with some like inside baseball some questions niche. today Very we are good. going good. inside we want to know and just because you know we love this show and it's it, it we, we always talked about how like after you left the show lost a sort of the quality kind of a joie de vivre if you will Mm-hmm. And it's like it tried to take itself seriously, but also didn't. It was very strange. Um, but yeah, so we're this is great. Happy to have you here. Um, yes, I don't know where Just to start, Hillary. Go ahead. Yeah, we're, we'll probably jump around from like book to Jay's chats yes. to the show itself. Easy, Do you have easy. a preference where you want to begin? Oh, no, dive in, dive in <laughs> yes. wherever. Okay. Yes. Um. So let's start with just the show itself. Yeah. Um. So one of our first questions is just about your favorite makeover that you remember from the show. Hmm. Favorite makeover ever. Wow. That's tricky. Uh, or what comes to mind, I yeah. guess, is probably an easier oh, way to Oh, well, obviously yeah. what comes to mind is usually like everyone panicking. They're usually being a meltdown. <laughs> but honestly, what comes to mind, uh, you know, past like the first few cycles, you know, there was just... <laughs> The makeovers was it was really interesting because you know really Miss J and I were the ones that were there all day and we shot people don't realize we were at some salon and we would do the fading photo shoot images, uh, the post makeover images mm-hmm. that were used at the and the end credits. We would shoot that at the end of the day, so it was like a really long day. It, it was the day, and I've never admitted this that I hated on the schedule because I just thought, oh god, <laughs> it's going to be really long. Mm-hmm. Um, we're going to deal with you know tears, and and often what then became almost notorious were just these because we Miss J and I had nothing to do with the makeovers in the first cycle. We really talked about what would be best for the girls, mm-hmm. but then after it was like dictated, <laughs> I'll put it that way. And uh, there were a lot we did not agree with, and we had to sit there and go, Ugh. yeah, just like Britney's implementing weave. a vision. Oh, Br- <laughs> <laughs> Britney's weave, Molly, Molly's weave. <laughs> yeah, to talk about so many horrible moments. Like uh, they were putting uh, there weaves. Great moments. There, there were yes. some great moments. Like Cassandra, who didn't want to cut her hair. Oh my god, that uh, was a famous moment. And then you like, can leave my set. Yeah, because she wasn't <laughs> short enough for Tyra, which I get that she was in this Mia Farrow mode. And mm-hmm. and Cassandra being on the shorter side, the, the shorter haircut was going to look better on her. It and it took her away from so that good. patch of the field. It looked amazing. Yeah. But uh, yeah, and then that moment where she came to set and we're like, we just have to cut an inch and a half more. And she's like, no. And I'm like, okay. Okay. And I, 
But we have to remember that these <laughs> girls are also girls and they're dealing. It's a very different yes. pressure. And, and, you know, honestly, in the industry, if you, you know, don't want to, it's like you either be there or you, you have, you want to kind of be all in or you're not in it's mm-hmm. you, know, right. you have to go all in. And, and, you know, the industry is all about image and aesthetic and ultimately models tend to forget, um, and, and, I, and I partly blame the supermodels, but I'll get back to this. Models tend to forget they're there to be a muse. Hence, you know, the title of the show within my book, which mm-hmm. is called Mom Muse. They forget they're there to be a muse. They're there to inspire and work mm-hmm. with a designer for their vision and create art with the other creative visionaries around them. So, you know, as we kind of transition from the supermodel into reality TV, reality TV really being the birth mother to social media, social media where we are now, where yes, we want to empower ourselves. Yes, we have to, you know, and my book is all about the arc and the, you know, this the story of awakening. We have to get to a place of self uh, validation mm-hmm. instead of looking for external validation. But with all of that, we've entered into this era of narcissism. Now, I'm not, and, and I'm not talking about narcissists, which are very damaged people. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, we can all take on kind of narcissistic traits. That doesn't yeah. mean narcissist. But entering this era of narcissism, which was kind of, I kind of track it back into some of these girls on top models, just like, nope, this is my way. And we're, and, and I think what the trick is, we have to learn to find a place where where we have to, we have to have integrity. Mm-hmm. Yet we also have to realize if you're working in an industry where it's about creation, you know, Tyra can admit that, you know, as a model, you know, everyone dictated her style and her evolution as a model, really. So that's where I think the girls got a little lost, you know, and, yeah. and, and, and we have to look at was the times were changing and look at where we are now. My look, you can't tell half of these girls that want to, everyone wants to look the same or they say, look, yes. it's like every, now we've just created this ideal, which we're losing individuality and identity is so important mm-hmm. right now. Um, which is also one of the big core themes in my book, which is to talk, it's an identity piece, really. Yes, absolutely. Which we are so Don't you love how I spun all of that out of makeovers? I <laughs> love that. I loved it. Yes, it was a very in-depth it's answer. Um, yeah, I mean, I definitely agree about everybody trying to have the same face right now. It's insane. You can't, I open my Instagram, just explore page and see these influencers and I can't tell them apart. Right. And it's so interesting watching the social media era of top model when that was kind of starting versus like cycles one through four. One through four. When it was like, it was like, oh, it's just like a fun little competition show that like we don't, they didn't know what it was going to turn into. And now yeah. like. Yeah. And, and really cycle, you know, when we were shooting cycle one, I remember Tyra saying to me, we were sitting in the green room alone and, and she said, you know, we're, it's just like a video village at judging with all the camera views. And uh, she said, you know, we'll be lucky if we just do one other season of this, you know, <laughs> little did she know. <laughs> yes. I remember that moment so clearly. That's crazy. Oh. And her and Ken Mock now they, they've built an empire. They're just like, look mm. at, look at the ground we, we built the land that we touched Ken Mock. Um, anyway, well, there was a whole group of people yes. that really created and built that show. There are pillars beneath certain the, individuals. The That's all. Kenya Barris. Yeah, there mm-hmm. are pillars, and it's it's not an island. So. It's not right. definitely not. Um, so, I mean, we we usually start out with this question. I don't know what we did, but we know you have the book. But what else have you been up to since? Top model came to a close. What, what what things are happening? Oh wow! Since I left um, the season in cycle eighteen, I mean, I, I I've done all sorts of things because even in cycle, I think in cycle eighteen, we even you know we we take the girls to Toronto Fashion Week and people saw that I had my clothing line in Canada. Yeah, my makeup line. I've I've worked on other shows, other projects. Um, it's it's been so I've, it's been so great to kind of. Um, be able to dive in creatively into other ventures because I'm a truly like I'm a creative person. And when it came to writing my novel, uh, I really did start kind of arcing out the story and the character studies in 2014. You know, I I thought at the time I was going to kind of prepare all this work and hand it off to a ghostwriter, you know, because the idea was really born during Cycle 4 Top Model. Mm -hmm. And I did speak to one of those senior producers and said, 
has anyone thought of doing a documentary behind the scenes? Because the real story and the real show is behind the scenes. Right. What we shoot is boring. Yes. Compared to what's really going on, I'm sorry. Like what right. we were shooting and what we were putting out there is not at all the show. Mm-mm. I can guarantee you that. So that's where, the, and they were like, oh no, we can't break the fourth wall. We would never do that. And that's where I think the seed was planted. But right. ultimately, you know, in 2014, I was working on so many different things and I thought, you know, people know me within this lifestyle space as a, you know, producer, television personality, you know, beauty, fashion, you know, uh, and often when people kind of delve into the world of like writing a novel, which is not the same thing as writing a memoir, uh, I thought, uh, you know, I'm going to prepare stuff for someone else to write. And so I spent a lot of time working on that. And then Ultimately, I shared it with a very good friend of mine who's a one-hour script writer, and I sent her all my material, which was a lot of writing. Mm-hmm. And she read all of it, and then she called me, and she said, Jay, just write the damn book. I mean, you can't, you have to point. write this. It's only, yeah. you're a, she said, you're a writer. Mm-hmm. You have to write this. And ultimately, um, that really took on, you know, the last couple of years, and, you know, in 2019, and the first six months of even 2019, I really locked myself away with those final drafts. And uh, I had a great writing mentor who um, was actually in the UK. So every time I would do a draft, you know, every month or so we would, she would read it and then we'd get on FaceTime like this and just, and then talk about what I was trying to achieve in that draft. And she really pushed me. Uh, But ultimately I've always loved storytelling. I love reading and I wanted to create something uh, that, you know, fans would love their Easter eggs baked throughout the book. Uh, yet it is a, it is a story of fiction, and I got to weave this kind of fictional narrative, kind of around these moments that are very real for a lot of fans. But people who are even not fans of the show could enjoy the book because I set up and create this world. Mm-hmm. Um, but it it was really fun, kind of playing, and and I love reading the letters I'm receiving now, where people, you know, say I dove into it because I thought it was just going to be this salacious book, and it is laugh out loud funny. It's meant to make you laugh, talk to the page, clutch your pearls. <laughs> but it kind of like the resounding response has been, but then this book is, I didn't expect where the book goes because ultimately there, there is a gravitas to this piece. And um, I wanted to really focus in on some core themes and tropes of the entertainment industry, you know, like the cost of fame, looking at power struggles in the workplace, mm-hmm. which everyone can relate to. Uh, and also looking at how the entertainment industry deals with intersectionality and black women's identity. And all of this ties in, but it sits underneath a very fun piece of satire that's extremely fast paced. It almost becomes relentless at some, at, towards the end because I wanted the reader to feel this churning engine that just does not stop. Yeah. So I wanted to feel that as they go through the story. I really liked that. I, I read it. Hillary hasn't had a chance to. I was supposed to give her my copy. Things didn't work out the way they should have. But <laughs> that's because there's like uh, some big twists that no yes. one sees coming. Oh, I was that. I was screaming at certain points, and I, I loved it because it had this almost like like this is gonna. I'm gonna don't hate me for saying this. Like almost Brett Easton Ellis Ian esque. Ooh, way of satirical like satirizing something so real like it's like it almost felt like Zoolander-esque in this just over the top decadence yes. um, I'm a writer can I've you tell I've not heard this description um, but it, it, like, it's like it just felt like at times where it was like oh I see exactly where the narrative is but also there were par- parts where I was like I was like oh I, I love that he just turned this up to 11 it, like it felt just like over over the top in like a great and the best way possible um that's what i was wondering and a lot of it is which a lot i get from a lot of people like they kept starting to wonder wait what part is fiction what's facts? yes lines were blurred and and to not spoil it for you hillary but they're, they're in the third act and i think what most people react to is you know i went against literary convention and i i did that deliberately knowing the literary world was just kind of kind of look at me and go, no, you can't do this. Cause I have this big metafictional mechanism in the, in the third act towards the end, which it's, it's this twist no one really sees coming, which when my agent read it the first time, uh, she said, oh my God, this is like the black mirror of the literary world. This is so cool. It uh, really is. <laughs> I, sh- I shrieked. Like, 
So you, you know what moment I'm talking about? Oh, I do. For anybody mm-hmm. who hasn't read it, but it is, it was very deliberate. And I, and that's also why I had to write the story myself because I knew I was writing this entire story mm-hmm. for that moment. And that moment is a pivotal moment that allows the reader to go through the ending and understand what the whole piece really is about. And, and ultimately around this idea of awakening and self-validation and et cetera. Mm-hmm. Yes. Awesome. Well, I'm so excited to read it. <laughs> it's, it's like, it's great. UPS that. Thank you. I will send it at some point this week. <laughs> and you can even get digital copies. App, it's everywhere. Yes. Apple Books. Everywhere. No excuses. Plug it, plug it. I have, I know, a, I but I put I really notes don't. in my book. That's why I want her to read my notes. Like there's oh, like, I, oh, that's, yes. that's I went to school fun. for creative writing. I, I annotate my shit. Yeah, Amanda, <laughs> I've had some writers send me a lot of their photos and DMs of how they've marked up the book, yep, which I, has yep. been so fascinating mm-hmm. to me because ultimately, you know, as writers, you know, I, I used to think, you know, writers like, oh, I need silence and they get, it sounded all crazy, but it really is all true. And, you know, I got to this place where I loved my isolation mm-hmm. and I found a level of joy really in, in that isolating moment. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and you ultimately always look at the work differently because my first draft, which they always say the first draft's for the writer, the second draft's for the reader, even though I had several drafts after draft two. Mm-hmm. But ultimately, and I'll share this much, I kind of took the manuscript apart because I first told this story, what is chapter one uh, uh, was going to be a prologue. And then where chapter two started was actually where the main story goes off the rails, which is chapter 12. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, which is called reality check. And that was going to be chapter two, a version of it. And then you met the characters very differently. And I told the story, the important kind of setup pieces in flashback, which is you can do a story that way. But ultimately, my writing mentor said to me, do me a favor. She's I love the story. I love its heart. Just cut it up and put it in chronological order really quickly as an exercise. But don't rewrite anything. And mm-hmm. as I was cutting the manuscript up and labeling it, I was like, Oh, I do like it better this way. But now I got to rewrite how we meet everybody. But it's, sure. it was worth it. It's worth it. a natural instinct to kind of want, want to do the creative thing and then have somebody look at it and be like, but why don't you try doing it like the logical way? And then you go, why are you so right about that? <laughs> <laughs> That's so stupid. Is it a logical way, though? Telling a story linearly yes. is not necessarily logical Enough. or the norm either because there's several books that I've yeah. read where you're in the main story or something happens right in the beginning and you have to learn things through mm-hmm. different mechanisms mm-hmm. or flashbacks etc yes the book I'm reading right now the vanishing half shout out it's so good uh, I know it's so good <laughs> Um, so, Jay, Amanda and I are both writers, like, and we also do this podcast in addition, and it is our passion. Yes. Um, but so I'm also very curious just about your process in writing the book. You said you went into isolation. Did you, like, specifically go somewhere, like, rent a fancy Airbnb in, like, upstate New York? In- <laughs> yes, I have, you're in, you're in one side of my office. Mm-hmm. I've got this great room with these windows here, and I have a desk that actually floats in the middle of the room. I'm on one side of it right now. <laughs> and then um, I was on the other side of that desk right there. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm I'm actually at my home in Connecticut. So I'm not in the city. So it's very, very quiet, private property. Nice. Uh, my dogs, which are napping in the sun over there, <laughs> were napping while I was writing. And it was, it was really great because I've worked in a world of collaboration my entire career. Mm-hmm. And I've been so blessed to work with incredible creative visionaries. You know, when you finally make the decision to sit down and do this, I remember the day, you know, I had to think about it after my friend Julie said, write this. Uh, I went, okay, I remember day one. And I kind of dove in and created this. I knew it wasn't the norm, but I, I, and it was ultimately for me, I wrote this like three page kind of cheeky essay thing <laughs> that had nothing to do with the book. To start the book, I thought I was going to leave it there. Ultimately, uh, that got distilled down to a three-sentence quote right before chapter one. And, um, you know, that process of sitting and doing the work, you know, I very quickly, I loved the silence and the isolation. I had my alerts off on my computer. Mm-hmm. My phone is turned off. It was, it was, however, difficult for relationships because it, as much as I work, 
Um, I've always been that type of friend and family member that I'm available to those who I'm close to. Mm -hmm. And so checking your phone once a day or twice a day didn't work so well. Yeah, You know, it was hard on people. It was hard Mm -hmm. that I wasn't available. But I I ultimately, I wrote in a few chunks, but like I said, those last drafts, I say, I would say, end of January 2019, going into the beginning of the summer, because I had to turn in a submission manuscript, um, I went hardcore. I, it, was, it was a blur. It, I literally would wake up, and I'm one of those people, I would kind of get up early for my dogs, I'd wake up super early, and I would just go all day, mm-hmm. all day till about 11 at night. And I loved wow. it. Wow. That's, that's a good, that's productive. So impressive. Like, <laughs> so I, I, I got addicted to that process. Most people mm-hmm. talk about writer's block and everything. Once mm-hmm. I was past draft one, because I had everything, you know, arced out and everything, draft one, you're still figuring out pieces. But when I was in those subsequent drafts, I became addicted to polishing and playing and doing character passes. You know, it's something that's very important is like you, 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 you have to go through your manuscript several times. And I, I really zoned in on individual characters. And I've got such, you know, when you get into the main story, it's like an ensemble cast almost. Mm-hmm. And you really have to find their voice. And, um, and it's not just in dialogue. It's also... You know, the other big thing for me was finding, you know, figuring out how I wanted that narrative prose to sound because I wanted people to feel there was a familiarity with me as the author. And, you know, I find even when I read a lot of books that I love, you know, the prose tends to be so formal for today. Um, It's just, I don't know. And, you know, my, my writing mentor said that her editor even said, you know, writing with contractions is fine. And so ultimately, I had to find that voice so people almost felt mm-hmm. they were really hearing me tell this story. Uh, and so, yeah, I played around a lot with that. But I, I needed that kind of, I'm one of those people who just like buckled down. And once I got into it, I was there until yeah. I handed it off. And then I went through massive withdrawal. Yeah, you're like, <laughs> well, what do I do oh, now? I you're like, yeah, I, I didn't expect that. I really didn't. You're like, but wait, I got addicted to something and now it's not a part of my life anymore. Yeah. Guess and you got to write another yeah, one. Yeah, <laughs> like, oh, that's why you write another book. That's how it works. Well, I, I did actually wake up one morning. I was feeling really down and um, I woke up one morning and I had this dream and I sat down. I thought I was going to write up like a two page thing. It has nothing to do with these characters. I ended up writing like a 10 page treatment for a story that takes place in the near future, somewhat of a dystopian tale. It, I don't want to spoil it, but I think that is a story that I'm going to explore because I want people to see that I can write with characters that have nothing to do with the world that right. this is inspired by. And I mean, granted, this was a very natural entry point. I mean, again, it is a work of fiction. It takes a lot of creativity to kind of write a piece like this. But um, it, it, I, I think it, it was something palatable for people to go, oh, I get why he wrote this. Mm-hmm. Uh, and even though I do have a resolve at the end, there is a twist of fate ending that could continue the story. So a lot of people have asked for part two and I have started it. I didn't think I was going to write a part two. I thought I was going to do a one and done, but mm-hmm. it looks like now I'm diving into part two. So there Very we go. Exciting. That's awesome. <laughs> super exciting. Okay. Let's see what else. Um, so We've touched we've touched on so many of our questions in those answers Truly. that I like I'm like looking through our list like what are we doing <laughs> Hillary um, um, so go on no okay <laughs> um, well this one's like this one I was really excited to ask but I don't know how to say it without it sounding like a possible read but I'm just gonna do it <laughs> go what people from the show contestants did you think would be more successful than they are now. You know, people like Molly Sue, who was incredible. Uh, I was, I thought it was kind of ridiculous when she was eliminated. And, you know, kind of, it's always, when you think of the behind the scenes of it all and how the show at, at that time was orchestrated, uh, um, you know, you just hear a lot of the discussions and who needs to go, who needs to stay, and what story we're following, and this is good story that's even subjective. What's good story. Like we're not, you know, again, that kind of goes back to kind of my statement of what is reality. And, you know, we started out, I know Tyra really had the intention of finding the next top model. Mm -hmm. 
uh, and, and really kind of documenting this process. And I think that's where the magic was born. You really felt it in those earlier cycles. Yes. Um, and then it just, it changed. Then it was orchestrated by people who I won't name names, some producers who know nothing of the industry or fashion. And then they fancied themselves, you know, these great producers of story. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but ultimately, you know, I think that's where the fans started to see through Mm-hmm. you know, themselves. And then there was a point when the show even jumped the shark. I mean, it just got to a point where it just became funny. And, and you know, if I go back to that quote, sorry to go back, I'm not just talking about my Very book, fun. but I'm, I'm, gonna open, I'm gonna read it, even though I have the beginning yes, memorized. Please I always do. read people out, but I don't wanna screw up the quote. I have like, th- that quote I was talking about is like this. Mm-hmm. It started off as, um, again, this was the three page thing, but it became a quote now. And I said, the world of reality TV is not real, and yet reality television has morphed into reality. I've worked in this world of smoke and mirrors, and when the smoke dissipates, the mirror reflects the truth. And I think Ooh. ultimately that even some, I mean, for the book that speaks on many layers. So Amanda, I'm sure you can mm-hmm. attest to that. Mm-hmm. But really, even for people just looking at that on their own, they're like, wow, that's a pretty profound statement. But it also kind of speaks to kind of what Top Model became. It, mm-hmm. it, 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 it kind of came, imploded in on itself, really, because what is reality? So, mm-hmm. right. But Molly Sue is yeah. definitely, to answer your question, I would, I would, totally. wanted, would have wanted to see her do so much more. Yes. She's yeah. fantastic. We, we do like, where are they nows of all the contestants as soon as they mm-hmm. get eliminated? And I guess Molly was big in like, Asia? She worked. She worked yeah, for a long time. Yeah, she did time. work. Yeah, mm-hmm. did work. Yes. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I would have thought that she would have been bigger over here as well. Yeah. Um, I mean, so many people so that many people. just were eliminated before their like, time. Ugh, like mm-hmm. every, everyone in, in cycle, uh, which one was it? When was Anne cycle? What was Anne cycle? Cycle 15? 15. Yeah. Everyone oh, yeah, in Anne yeah. cycle. All of those contestants. Every everyone. Like, mm-hmm. is, oh, right. should have been massively successful. And Chelsea, definitely. The best. Um, I did the Jay's chat with her for that cycle. Mm-hmm. She was in, because uh, she was the in the, yeah, she was in the final two with her. And Chelsea was wonderful, you know, and an incredible model. Mm-hmm. Was, uh, Just one of those yeah. seasons where any of the top, yeah. I wouldn't say the top eight really could have, yeah. could have won. And I would have been would've like, been happy. yep, great. You deserved it. Like, you earned this. Um right. It's, I mean, cycle 15, I have so many, I have so many feelings about, but you know, that's, that's me. Um, Yeah. Speaking of Jay's chat, you've had a lot of them. They started at the beginning of of the quarantine. Um, It was, it's really funny. You know, obviously I knew my book was announcing in spring uh, to come out this summer. Uh, Of course, no one planned for, you know, this pandemic. And certainly I did not expect, you know, people going into quarantine and yearning for nostalgia. People started binge watching Top Model again. Uh-huh. Um, it became yeah. a top binge watch show on Amazon Prime, mm-hmm. Hulu. And then Our I numbers just peaked. All these, yeah, all these yeah. people mm-hmm. started kind of reaching out. And I remember I was got into a call, we were just chatting with Miss J and he was like, everyone keeps wanting me to do these lives. Um, <laughs> I think we should do something. And you know, and I was like, well, what are we going to talk about? I just, you know, I hate people just randomly talk about mm-hmm. nothing with no direction. So I said, you know, well, we can just really break down like the real tea behind Top Model and do a cycle a week. So we started off doing it with Miss J. Ultimately, Miss J became busy. It was interesting <laughs> that that happened. We did do a Jay's chat after my book announced, but then it happened right soon after. We'll just put that in big air quotes and we'll mm-hmm. let him. <laughs> Uh, Jay, yeah, we okay. will happily have you on this podcast to rebut <laughs> this response. Yeah, ask him. And then, of course, so what was Jay's chat, plural, I just popped in an apostrophe, became yeah. Jay's chat. And then um, I, I think it worked out really well because having the contestants and bringing their POV from the home and, you know, past winners and everything, it was really, really kind of fun. And so I committed to doing the 18 cycles that I was there and I just finished it. <laughs> Uh, and so I'm like so glad because it was a lot of work actually. Right. Um, but yep. ultimately I think people enjoyed it because it wasn't about dragging anyone or tearing anyone down. No. Uh, but ultimately just having just a very truthful conversation and being able to kind of speak truths and share some things that people didn't know and uh, some behind the scenes stuff that people didn't see. 
And I thought it was just really important. I mean, the show's been off the air now um, for what, almost three years now, mm-hmm. uh, pretty much. And I mean, I left after cycle 18. So it's, it's kind of like had its time. I think it's okay to talk about kind of, you know, the, the pieces that people didn't see. Yeah, I think it's, I mean, I think people always or yearn to find out more information about something that they love and nostalgia the nostalgia factor really adds in and it's it's definitely you know people but you know what always for me though hmm. what was i didn't expect was reliving things now that's going to sound really ironic because when you write a book you right think, okay something like this that's inspired by that you're reliving all this stuff actually no they were of course there were some very real moments that and and i think that's why you know my book comes off as very authentic in terms of the emotional journey for these characters. But I wasn't kind of reliving details. I certainly hadn't watched Top Model in, oh my gosh, like almost 10 years. <laughs> like it feels like, you know, uh, I, I, and so I, I do remember a lot because I have a photographic memory, but you know, some cycles I would just scroll through some things before the Jay's chat. Uh, and I was just really surprised to just relive a lot mm-hmm. and just be reminded of a lot. Mm-hmm. And I thought, oh, yeah, that's good, but we can leave it all there. But now I've really <laughs> talked that out. But it did happen mm-hmm. to Therapeutic. It was very serendipitous to kind of tie in with my book coming out and mm-hmm. people yearning for nostalgia. So it, it just worked. And I'm glad that there are fans, but also people who never watched the show, um, who someone's recommended the book to. I'm getting letters from people saying, I normally wouldn't have picked this up. I thought it was just like fan fiction puff piece, but it really is so much more. And so I'm, I'm really excited by those kind of people getting the opportunity to read this, this book and learning about a world that they don't necessarily get to see or be a part of, but realizing how you can relate to all of those characters and that world. Right. Yeah. Um, because it's all about relationships. And and that's what I wanted to do was, and I'm, I hope that I'm like shifting the paradigm around how we look at authority, uh, friendship and relationships. Really. Right. The dynamic and how toxic friendship is real. We talk about it a lot on this podcast. <laughs> yes. Um, and, toxic and, dynamic. Yes. And how a lot of, for a lot of young women, their first abusive relationship is with their best friend. It's a whole thing. Um, yeah, Write she's, that article. Oh, yeah. Oh, I'm tr- <laughs> I have tried. Um, anyway. Um, but, is, I mean, who has been, I mean, you've done 18 J's chats and you've talked to several people. Who do you think? were your favorites well also to to cut in really quickly did you try to get jade what's up with jade what's up with jade what's up with jade Jade? actually um to be honest with you i i think is she even on social media i think her accounts are private she's not really around um i i i've not seen her in such a long time i did see her post the show uh, her cycle, mm-hmm. but um, she probably just wanted to kind of distance herself. I'm making an assumption yeah. a- around that. Uh, but you know, you got to remember, I-, I mean, I've said it on the Jay's chats. I would never want to be one of those contestants <laughs> working in that <laughs> environment. And also being that age, I know who I right. was at mm-hmm. like 18. I couldn't imagine being put into a competition like that Mm -hmm. where you're trying to find yourself as an adult you have all these insecurities and you know you're dealing with like this weird pressure cooker of a competition that's on camera with camera operators in your face and Mm -hmm. you know no uh, sleep (laughs) no sleep at all and yeah and and as some of the girls even said they could even feel the tension in the air because that work environment behind the scenes Mm -hmm. did come be did become a very toxic workplace. And, you know, for those who might say, oh, well, he's just saying that, you know, da da da, because he has his book. No, it really is. And I've worked in many other environments which you think would were, were worse. I was a right. correspondent on E, live television for seven years. That was not a toxic workplace. I had a show, you know, also on Style. I was the host and executive producer of Canada's Next Top Model. Like, mm-hmm. I've, I've worked on so many other different projects that just didn't have that dynamic and it's still oddly even stepping away from it you know you just still you still hear the little bits and pieces of things and what that person's saying and that well that person thinks of course when my book came out you know there was a lot of talk around it right some of it was was shared with me and I was just like really are you guys still really in high school difference is now I'm 48 and I look at it and I'm like (laughs) 
I have tools yeah. now where I right. look at all of that. Like none of those people have any power or domain kind of mm, over no. me. Um, but it was it was a culture that was ruled with this idea of fear uh, um, from one, you know, very like toxic little person uh, who would walk around and kind of pit everyone against one another. Just mm -hmm. not a healthy person individually. And I don't really have to say that person's name. But for those who can guess who that is, ask anybody else who's worked with that person. You can't really find a positive story. Oh, so that's the thing. It's, like, it's not like it's just me talking. It's like, right. go into the history of that person's yes. career. Try and find positive stories. Mm -hmm. You really can't. Mm -hmm. Yeah, if they think okay. everybody's an asshole, they have to look at themselves. Right. Yeah, it's like, you know, it's kind of a bit of a you spot it, you got it uh, kind of thing. You know what I mean? Yes, yeah. yes. <laughs> Which then someone could say to me, well, you spot it, you got it. But it's like, it becomes like this warped circle, but it's really, I'm, I'm just really just speaking truths here. Right. I'm not saying yeah. I'm perfect. I've definitely learned a lot, grown a lot, but that's, you know, that's a different thing. Yeah. I do have a question about Canada's Next Top Model. Hillary is sure. not prepared for this question. I watched Canada's Next Top Model I mean, when it was over a decade ago, I think I was watching it illegally on YouTube when you could still do that. And only mm -hmm. thing I remember about that show was the episode where the girl didn't have a passport. Miriam. Yes. And she did Beautiful the photo girl. shoot yep. by herself. She yes. recreated yes. it for judging. She did her own photo shoot for judging and came to judging. Um, because she was left behind because she didn't have a passport. It was an issue with a visa. There were all these <laughs> things. So yeah, she stayed behind. She did her own photo shoot. She kind of slayed it. Slayed uh, it. it was, she ate that damn. for dinner. She did that on her own. Um, she <laughs> came up with this idea on her own. Production did not help her. She said, I'm going to figure out a way to stay in this competition. And she did it. Yeah. It's damn. to this day, like when people ask me some of my favorite top model moments, I always bring that up. Like I bring, yes. like I'm always just like I'm like, cause that's resilience. Like that is amazing, and nobody talks about that in terms of the lexicon of top model because everyone talks about, you know, we were rooting for you, and they talk about uh, yeah. there were there were war in their there was war in their countries, and they talk about those yeah. moments, the energy bars, the energy. <laughs> yeah, the granola bars. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I yes. still think production stole, stole those granola bars. No one can convince me. A hundred percent. Production stole the granola bars. Somebody it was eating those chewy bars. Like, yeah. <laughs> why are these girls upset while they're eating? I'm like eating some a stolen paraphernalia. Um, oh, we wanted to ask you about, um, even though his book doesn't really touch on the top model world, if Andre Leon Talley's book at all kind of inspired you to this side of your creative. Oh, you mean writing? Well, yeah. Andre's book and my book came out kind of right around the mm -hmm. same time. His book was actually supposed to release uh, about four weeks after mine, but I guess his publisher bumped it up because of, you know, it was COVID. There was all this press store, you know, like, you know, you know, press running around and, mm -hmm. and you know, the literary world really thrives on you going out and doing, you know, in-person appearances. So they kind of used that and they bumped it up. But um, I, you know, I had been writing well before I even found out that he was coming out with this memoir. But Andre's written books before, yeah. and Andre is—he's uh, just so well read, so well researched. He's one of those few people within the industry who truly knows his stuff. Um, and uh, you know, for me, reading it—I I have the ship on trenches. I read it when it came out. Um, reading some of the stories was just great because I have my own stories of, you know, when we travel, I knew Andre before he worked on top model, but then we developed a different relationship when he came on for those cycles. And so, you know, we would go out um, and eat dinner and lunch and then, or even like in the hotel, like we'd hang out in his room, sit on the end of the bed and let him kind of, he would just talk and tell us stories and it was so much fun. So jealous. I'm so jealous. Like, I've, oh God. Like, I just want to, like, be in his presence and just listen to him, like, wax poetic yeah. about, like, life. Just down to earth, too. Like, we would just, like, I remember when we were in Morocco, one of my favorite stories is, um, we were in Morocco shooting, which was, which was one of the most cinematic, you know, abroad locations mm -hmm. shot. Gorgeous. Mm -hmm. Those photo shoots from Morocco. I Ugh, mean, kill me. And it's my favorite location to be. Mm -hmm. And, I remember one day 
uh, I had a down day during the day and I was in like the Sook, which is the, you know, the market in Marrakesh and, you know, around. And so, and I would always go, I had to have a translator and security with me and we're doing all this stuff. And then Andre wanted to go to the house du Captain. So we went later in the afternoon, we were going to go to eat dinner afterwards and they closed down for us. And this is the place where I believe when Givenchy did this whole collection uh, that was kind of Moroccan inspired. The, the House du Captain made the captains for the collection. Anyway, Andre, so it was Andre, Mish J, myself. Uh, we had security. Oh my God, there was, yeah, and it was just our translator. And there was, is there one other person there? No, I don't think so. And literally, we were in this place. We went downstairs. Andre set himself up on like this chaise. And he's like, oh, darling, oh no, you have to have that. Da -da 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 -da. And like they were making draping fabric on me. Of course, I ended up coming home with like six custom made the most luxurious these kind of you know robes and captains that are stunning mm -hmm. uh and i just remember like that's such a moment you know andre dictating nope this color this fabric da, 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 da. it was just really great you know he was a lot of fun and we laughed a lot for sure oh i love him oh, alt i know it's the best him and his calf dance the best so, uh, what i would give calf dance speaking of other people <laughs> no speaking of calf dance <laughs> But speaking of other people that were on the show in the later seasons, uh, we kind of refer to Yutsai as like the wannabe Mr. J because he essentially kind of took over your position as creative director on the show. Did you get to see any of those? Also, Johnny so Wojak. I'll be very honest with you. I never, I did not. I mean, first of all, uh, and I did talk about this on the Jay's chat. Well, I, actually, I didn't talk about it on the Jay's chat per se but it then came out through some of the press that I was doing because I can talk about it now, but I actually left the show after cycle eight, my contract was over. Mm -hmm. And then ultimately uh, I was asked at first, but then through pressure to come back and do a one-off cycle, cycle nine. And then, yes, I did stay beyond that. That's a long story. It's yeah. all out there, the story and what happened uh, and that kind of horrible transition, which is like a, Cycle nine is a cycle I would never want to ever live again. Uh, but you guys can look all that up. It's all out there in the press. Mm -hmm. But what by the time I left cycle 18, because that was also misreported, but my contract didn't allow me to speak about it. Mm -hmm. And then there were other people controlling the narratives, as they often do. And so it was leaked. We were fired. Well, that's not the case, because they wanted me to do cycles 17 through 20. And I said, I can't do four more cycles. It was like a whole negotiation. It went down to the week before I shot and I agreed to do two. So mm -hmm. I knew cycle 18 was my last cycle and I was leaving the series. After I left, I did not feel the need to even watch it. I mean, mm -hmm. the show had just so moved beyond what it was supposed to be. I, and I mean that honestly, I don't mean it with any kind of shade when you've lived and worked in that environment mm -hmm. and produced on it. And it's like been 10 years yeah. to I wasn't even curious to see what it was going to turn into. I know, I know, and I've, I've met Johnny Wujek. I don't know him very well. Mm -hmm. I know he initially did it. Um, he's a lovely. Mm -hmm. And then I actually got to meet you, Sai, um, several times, but I'd never watched him on the show. I, I'd heard some of the controversy around it. I know people said some things about him, but, you know, for me, I just want to kind of say this much. My interaction with him and what I know of him is not at all what was kind of portrayed on the show. Mm -hmm. First of all, brilliant creative. He's an amazing photographer. I agree. He has the biggest heart. Mm -hmm. and he's just, you know, really a wonderful person. I also am very aware of how that show is cut for the edit. Uh -huh. And it was something that I fought a lot, uh, you know, with in terms of when I even said, you know, I was going to come back for that one cycle. I said, okay, we need to talk about the editing because more and more they were editing me into this role of like snarky one-liners, eye rolls, like girl, get it together. It was always, yes, did all of that stuff come out of my mouth? Absolutely, for all right. the people saying, well, you said it. But the same way I could say, you can say one long sentence and I can cut it three different ways. Mm -hmm to the way I want you to appear ultimately. Right. And so that was something that I used in negotiations. I'm like, you guys have to balance this because yeah. I am a person, first of all, I surround myself with power women. I got into this industry before I was even on television, you know, to elevate women. And, and that has always been one of my passions. And so, but when I, when you spend hours and hours with the girls and I spent the most time with all of the contestants of anybody else on the show in terms of main talent, but I got to know them differently. So I know who needed their hand held. 
I know who mm -hmm. needed that hand on the back and who needs the shove and when they need the shove. Because mm -hmm. if you look at even like in cycle three, Anne, you know, Anne, remember Anne and- Anne, yep. yes. Anne and I went back and forth. But if you actually saw how we really were, we clicked right away. Mm -hmm. And today, Anne and I are really good friends. Right. And she's a brilliant woman. Yes. And she's mm -hmm. such an amazing woman. So, you know, I, I, I kind of feel, again, I wasn't there, but you, Cy, was really, I also know how the producers at that time, they were trying to get ratings to go somewhere. And I know how they push and say, oh, you know, you should really try this or this or this, because I know, you know, I, I know how they are. And uh, I think he ultimately kind of blindly fell into a trap Hmm. becoming this character for the show and then he was edited even more but that's not who he is he's really right. a lovely person that's great that's so interesting yeah I'm now glad. that you say that it's it's true i feel like you were mostly in your role in the first few seasons and then mm -hmm. they did try to work you into the story mm -hmm. more and more it makes me want to rewatch so i can call them out <laughs> rewatch the show we've already rewatched hillary story it, it's just like how you know how things you know, we're evolving like some episodes like I'd watch and it sounds like I'm, I'm sitting back in my chair and I'm like, yeah, whatever, blah, blah, blah. First of all, what people don't realize, especially in those first eight cycles, I was actually producing all the creative. I hired all yeah. the creative talent. I did more work behind the scenes than on camera. So that's yes. number one. Mm -hmm. Number two, when you are in that role and then they want to kind of create a role for you, it's about mm -hmm. editing. And I said everything that you heard, but it's how you're hearing it. It's yeah. how you're seeing it. It's the context. Uh, and I will be fair. I will be fair. At times, if I'm honest, because I know what they wanted, because I, I would resist their edit. So there was a time definitely where I would go on set and I just was that, you know, super empowering person to everyone on set. Mm -hmm. And I was told, um, look, you know, we need you to kind of give us the good, the bad, and the ugly for everybody. Like, we need it. Don't worry. Wow. Edit you one way or another, but you can't just be this way. And I was told that for sure. Wow. So then I Ooh. kind of do it. So if a girl is, you know, I don't know, I'm making something up right now. Let's say she's you know, struggling and, uh, you know, she's looking bored or whatever, uh, you know, I would, I, instead of just saying, come on, find some energy, you know, da, 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 I would say, mm -hmm. wow, well, that's gone. Yeah. See what I mean? And I, right. knew, and I knew the editors would kick that line right. because that's the sound bite. And yeah, so the minute know, it comes out of your mouth, you're like, well, that's making the edit. I'm like, I'm, ugh. Yeah. Uh. Even though that wasn't, you know, yeah, so. It's interesting. Fascinating. It is. Um, I've, 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 I think I have one more question before we rapid do fire. our rapid fire. Yeah. Sure. Um, we love rapid fire. Yes. My, my last question is, I mean, we kind of touched on it, but like, were there any seasons where you just flat out were like, that girl did not deserve to win this season? Or like, it would have been nice to see somebody else like take the crown because they, yeah, you know, <laughs> they were well, clearly so better. Salisha. It would diss some Whitney. of the winners, you know, but there were definitely <laughs> some contestants, you know, like Krista. that you look at and that you work with. Like I knew Yaya was a star, you know what I mean? Oh, but yes, that's no yes. shade to Eva yeah. either. No, who was right. yeah, Eva's a star, you know what I mean? Totally. So, um, I mean, so there, I have moments like that where I mm -hmm. look at a lot of those girls and say, um, you're going to be fine. You know, she's a star. Like, you know, when we even, I mean, uh, and then it was so hard. Like when you look, we were talking about the Moroccan cycle, you cut down to Brittany and Molly. I oh will honestly gosh. say that was probably one of the most difficult final two yeah. Yeah. because Brittany deserved to win, but you mm -hmm. could tell Molly was definitely like this bankable oh, no. model and uh -huh. she's out there and she still works. You uh -huh. know what I mean? Oh, so yeah. it's kind of interesting mm -hmm. how, you know, what those experiences are. Another season uh, where anyone Molly in the top six could have won. I, I firmly True. believe. Yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But then they did that horrible haircut on Molly for the final judging. I loved it. <laughs> well, I it could have been a little. It, it could have been a little better for her because Britney's the final pixie cut looks stunning. stunning. <laughs> Molly got a little bit of the okie doke. Yeah, yeah, she got a little. Part. Yeah, a little bit of the the Nick. She Carter. got the okie doke. Um, yeah. <laughs> 
Um, yes, no, we we have. I mean, the, you you and out of these to know that the fan base has like three obvious people that they're like, how did they're this person mad about? Win? Yeah, how did this person win? So I always like to, to see if like if Whitney, Whitney, Salisha. It's either between Krista or well, Tiana. Let me just let me ask you. Ask. I'll ask you this, Amanda. Yeah, of course. Spoiling anything? Well, you read my book. Yes. So did you feel like there was like a moment? you know, in the main story that's inspired by a little bit of that Whitney cycle. So I'll just put oh, that out there. Is yeah, there absolutely is. Make your own decision, there, but then read my book. Absolutely. Like I'm really teasing Hillary. Hillary just I'm like this. So, oh my God. I mean, there, <laughs> Hillary, can I tell you my absolute... I will. I have to tell you my absolute favorite moment, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to spoil it. I don't care because it made me laugh so hard, is when they force one of the contestants to shave her head for a makeover. And it turns out they turned it into a wig. <laughs> You're giving a spoiler away. This is not a major one. It's a subplot. But <laughs> when that happened, Amanda, I, I laughed so hard because I was actually I was like, first of all, I know well, human hair to, wigs exist. You have to see but the way it reveals. It's it, the way it, it reveals. The way it reveals. It came no out. Spoiling, Amanda. I'm done. I'm done. Shame this is not shame. reality, Steve. I'm done. Yeah. Uh, exactly. <laughs> but like, I I had to mention it because it was one of those moments. Where I was like. I was like, I, I can't believe I didn't come up with that. Like, that is so perfectly dark. Jay, Hillary and I have a running joke on this podcast that Tyra yeah. makes the girls cry during makeovers and runs over to them with a vial and is like, Collect, give me your youth. Give me your tears. Collect the tears, bathes like, in them later. <laughs> like, oh, like, so, Hil- so Hillary, when you re- when, after you read the book, I think you and Amanda are going to have like a serious chat about yeah. uh, oh, I'm what sure. I'm sure. We'll have an entire episode dedicated to it, if not for our <laughs> regular noticed. listeners for the Patreon, I'm sure. <laughs> okay. Um, you ready to so hop in some, wanna... bon- some bonus or some rapid yeah, fire? Yeah, let's do, let's explain, do your rapid fire. Yes. Explain rapid fire. Okay. So rapid fire questions are pretty much exactly how they sound. We're going to tell you a name. You tell us the first thing that comes to mind. It doesn't have to, it can be a sentence. It could be a, a phrase. It could be a word. It's just the first thing that comes to your brain. You tell us. Um, okay. Yeah, really quick and easy. It's a it's a Rorschach test, but with, sure. with top model related things. Hillary, take the stage. She frozen. I think she's frozen. Yeah, she froze. Oh no, Hillary! <laughs> <laughs> she's not like freaking out right now. I bet. Oh my god, poor Hillary. Let's see. Let me text her. Do you have the questions? Oh yes, I'll start. Let me just do it. Okay, first of all, first let's go with. Nigel Barker, noted fashion photographer Nigel Barker. We have to call him by his full legal name. <laughs> Nigel Barker um, winks a lot. He does wink a lot. When he came on this podcast, he was, we were like, he winked at you. I'm I was sure. like, why is he winking at me? Like, what, yeah. what did I do? I love that. It's a very, it's a very, very, very uh, charming trait. Uh, Kelly Catrone. Well, where's black? Where's black? Where's Black? And great PR person. Good at her job. Um, Twiggy. Lovely. Just an amazing person. Just an amazing. Uh, she just seems so sweet. Um, we we love the Twiggy eras, even though we always thought that she she made her biases very clear. <laughs> like she when she liked to contest and she made everybody know. Yeah, fair, um, yeah. uh, Jay Alexander. Uh just knows how to make me like totally crack up. <laughs> I'm not surprised by that. Um, let's see. Um, Janice Dickinson. <laughs> I honestly, it's going to sound crazy. I say boobs. Cause I remember the first time I ever met her, she literally was doing a fitting and she pulled a dress up over her shoulders and she goes, do you like my boots? Like my Robin. Like, like no, Robin like, and the shimmy. Was, yeah, but this was just far more dramatic. She was just like, hello, I'm there here to show you. Like, hi, do you like my new boots? I was like, wow. And you're like, oh, I do. I absolutely do. Um, let's see. Uh, Sutan. Sorry, my dog just woke up. It's okay. Sorry, go ahead. Sutan. Uh, like, beyond talented. I mean, that man has... <laughs> Uh, you know, more talent in his pinky finger than most right. people. Than most people. Absolutely. Just wonderful. I'm obsessed with Sutan. Um, and Paulina Porskova. I'm back. She's back. Okay. <laughs> Hillary. 
<laughs> we went forth without you, but we're fine. Perfect. Yes. <laughs> so much comes to mind with Paulina be- beyond being stunningly beautiful, because I used to have all her ads on my walls growing up as a teenager, but just uh, so articulate, honest, and just just truly like a powerful individual. Mm-hmm. Hillary, we have one final one. Would you like to do it? Do you still have it? Open? I don't know which ones you've done. The last so one. Go ahead. The last one. It's Tyra Banks. Oh. <laughs> that chuckle. Uh, <laughs> the wig. You know, I know you said the meltdown. You know, first comes to mind, and I just got like a tidal wave <laughs> hit my head. Uh, but. Wow, that's that's a that's a big one. Um, I'm trying to figure out what that answer would be. I know I'm supposed to say the first. I mean, literally, like sometimes the first thing is, is not like yeah. I could say it could be a sensory. You could say tidal wave. You could just say it's like a tidal wave. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, we could say it's a tidal wave. So that was mm-hmm. it was a sensory thing. Like, yeah. A lot hit me at you once. <laughs> like we like listeners, we saw him physically go through like like fifty emotions at the same time. Wave. Like yeah. a body wave. Yeah. Like it was one of but those. I, like <laughs> But I will say this though, I do have, you know, the utmost respect for what she represents to so many young brown and black girls and boys out there in terms of the kind of you know, the doors that she's kind of kicked down mm-hmm. and, um, and that no one can ever take away from her. Right. Um, I just, I just would say this and, and, um, it's actually, you know, something that I touch on in, in the book though, it's, you know, the problem often when we kind of look at our, to our heroes, uh, is that, you know, it's like, we're looking into the sun and actually it's, it's a quote that I actually pulled from Maureen Dowd. I probably have mm-hmm. to, like a dig to find it. Uh, but she says often criminality supersedes celebrity or, or no, sorry, celebrity supersedes criminality because mm-hmm. it's very, I'm, I'm totally ruining her quote right now, but it's correct in my book, but it's like, how can you see clearly when you're looking into the sun? So I just caution so true. people just to realize that, you know, everybody's out there and kind of working in the limelight or whether they be your favorite authors or, you know, actors or directors, et cetera. We're all human beings. Yep. Everybody has their vulnerabilities, their struggles. Uh, and even within my novel, you know, Keisha Cash, which is just inspired by, it's not, it's not Tyra, but it's just inspired by my time on Top Model. I wanted to have like this 360 character, yeah. someone that me you see her you feel her vulnerability ultimately and you feel empathy for her as we should and i think mm-hmm. often we don't realize that there's a there's a lot kind of bubbling beneath you know our actions and that really goes for everyone so right. um but 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 i honestly truly do have you know you know the utmost respect for her in terms of what she represents and does now does that mean i agree with everything absolutely not but that's just being a realist yeah wow. I love I that. I think that's a great note to end on. Yes. Uh, yes. Do you want to obviously please plug your book this entire time? But, but tell it, give us the full title of your book, the, the whole spiel. Where can they get it? Thank you. Thank you. So yes, my yeah, my new novel, my my debut novel is called The Wig, the Bitch, and the Meltdown. Uh, if you are, for those of you on social media, we hashtag the meltdown. Um, and it is available everywhere books are sold, bookstores, you know, even, you know, the indie, independent bookstores, I'm everywhere yes. online, Amazon, if you're digital, Apple Support books, independent Kindle. black-owned bookstores. I was literally about to yes. say that, Hillary. Find a black-owned bookstore to buy the book from, yes, guys. Even yes. better. And I actually did a, I did a big promotion through uh, black independent bookstores, even when I launched my book, because one of the things, even in looking for a publisher, I wanted to work with a publisher that was a black owned publisher wow. because I, in terms of really understanding the story mm-hmm. um, and keeping it truly authentic. So, but yes, it's everywhere. Books are sold from the Barnes and Nobles to everywhere, but I, I hope people go out and, and enjoy it. Yes. And, and ultimately, you know, I said it in my acknowledgements, I do hope that this book finds its intended audience, which is not just top model fans. And truly it, it's, it, and I've, I've talked about it in different ways throughout this chat, but ultimately at the end of the day, I really hope that we look at our humanness in a way 
of learning how we can become more humane to one another. And that's really kind of the intent behind this writing. Yes, it is a piece of satire. Yes, it's supposed to make you roar and cringe, but really look beneath the layers and see what's being said there. Nice. Yes. Amazing. Amazing. Would you Great. like to do our social media, Amanda? Yes, I would. Guys, if you want to follow us on social media, go to our website, americasnext.bestfriend.com. There you'll find links to our Instagram, our Twitter, our Facebook, all of those good things. You can also send us an email at nexttopbestfriend at gmail.com. We are starting, starting cycle three of Australia's Next Top Model next week. So that's very exciting. Going <laughs> back down under. Um, and uh, support us on Patreon. We're we got bonus episodes. We got content. We talked about bonus episodes which, galore yes. after we finished reading Jay's book. I mean, <laughs> after I finished reading Jay's book. Yes, America's <laughs> Next Top Book Club. And for me, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Loch Ness Manda, like the scary Scottish monster. Hillary. You, you can find me on Instagram and Twitter at Hilarious123. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank this you was so much. Such a treat. Yes, a treat, a joy, a, pres- a present. I'm glad Hillary yeah, disappeared a for a bit. But yeah. <laughs> I went to another dimension for a moment. <laughs> she went to the Skype ether, you know, the normal things. Awesome. Thank you so thank, much well, for being thank here. Thank you. It was truly my pleasure. A yes. lot of fun. Happy to have you. you. All right. And good luck with the rest of your book sale. Yes. See you guys thank next you. week. Thank you. Bye, guys. Bye.